Welcome to episode 25 of the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. There is more knowledge here than anywhere else in the galaxy. Only members of the Jedi Council are allowed access. Guarding the holocrons is one of the most important duties a Jedi can be given. Do you think you're up to the task? Welcome to another episode of the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. This is your host, Rob, and I'm going to be flying solo tonight. And we are recording this episode on Sunday, September 8th, 2019. Before we get started on this week's topic, I do want to just take a moment to once again thank our listeners. Uh, We have been seeing an uptick in listenership over the past couple of weeks. I mentioned this on last week's show, and that is certainly encouraging. It uh, definitely provides motivation for us to get these episodes out there and to put out quality content. And uh, thank you for those of you who have been longtime listeners. For those of you who are new to the show, uh, thank you for tuning in. Hopefully, we're going to provide content that you're going to find enjoyable. And if any of you would be willing, please go ahead and recommend the show to a friend. That's how we're going to grow, uh, probably most effectively. And uh, otherwise, you know, if, if you want to give us a rating or a review on iTunes or wherever you happen to listen to this podcast, uh, I would certainly encourage that because that also is going to make the podcast easier to find. And it's going to uh, definitely grow our listenership and allow us to open up some additional avenues of, of bringing content to you. So, Uh, With that being said, once again, thank you, and we will go ahead and jump into our main topic for the week. Uh, Tonight's topic is going to be one that's going to be a little bit shorter uh, than some of our previous shows, primarily just because there is not a lot of information on this particular topic within canon currently. Uh, We will dive a little bit into some of the Star Wars Legends content because there were a couple of films surrounding this uh, that were maybe not widely viewed. They certainly weren't as heavily pushed in the theaters as uh, Return of the Jedi was, but uh, the topic we're going to be addressing tonight and really the series that we're going to be doing surrounding these types of topics, we're going to call our Star Wars short series, uh, which applies both to the topic and some of the characters. So uh, in this particular case, we're going to be dealing with the Ewoks, which is a topic that I have had requests both from our listeners as well as some of the folks that, uh, that I know personally that listen to the podcast as something that they wanted to hear more about. Now, as far as the Ewoks go as a species, uh, they would best be described as furry bipeds who were native to the forest moon of Endor. Now, one common misconception is that Endor was actually the name of the planet that the Ewoks lived on. And in fact, as the name implies, it was a moon. Uh, It was also known as the Sanctuary Moon, and it was home to approximately 30 million Ewoks uh, at the time of Return of the Jedi. So uh, there were a number of other sentient and non-sentient species uh, inhabiting that planet, including the Yuzum. So if you are uh, someone who's read Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which was a 
book that came out uh, kind of between Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. Uh, the Yuzum were featured pretty heavily in that book as well. Uh, so you may be familiar with that name, you may not. Uh, but in any case, that is a little bit of trivia about Endor itself. It is not the planet specifically that the Ewoks live on. It is, in fact, the forest moon. Now, as for the Ewoks, they were certainly notable for assisting the Rebel Alliance uh, during the Battle of Endor in their fight against the Galactic Empire and their assistance in helping the Rebel uh, strike team destroy the shield generator on the moon of Endor, uh, which allowed the Rebel Alliance in turn to destroy the Death Star 2. So uh, they were roughly a meter tall. Uh, they would be considered to have essentially a Stone Age level of technology, very primitive. They clearly wielded things like spears and slings and knives as weapons, uh, but they also were adept at the use of things like hang gliders, as we saw within The Return of the Jedi. But the one thing about the Ewoks that bears noting and, and kind of plays into the events of The Return of the Jedi is the fact that they were very quick learners if they were exposed to advanced technology that was simple to uh, operate and they could make use of that pretty quickly. They were fuzzy, short in stature, and had an acute sense of smell. Uh, they were omnivores, and their uh, native language was called Ewokese. Now, with regards to the Ewoks in canon, most of that content is going to be coming from the original trilogy films, uh, specifically Return of the Jedi. And I think many of the listeners that we've got out there probably are fairly familiar with that from seeing the films. Uh, but in any case, we're going to go ahead and recap that, and then we'll go on with some of the additional movies. Now, with regard to Return of the Jedi, uh, what we're dealing with there is once Luke and Leia and Han and the Rebel Strike Force had arrived on the forest moon of Endor, uh, really our first introduction to the Ewoks is when uh, Luke and Leia take off after the uh, scout troopers on their speeder bikes, and Leia ends up getting thrown from her speeder and ends up being discovered by Wicket, who is the first Ewok, really, that we became familiar with as fans and here's a little clip of that scene stuck here. Trouble is, I don't know where here is. Maybe you can help me. Come on, sit down. I promise I won't hurt you. Now come here. Alright, you want something to eat? That's right. Come on. Hmm? Oh. 
Look, it's a hat. It's not gonna hurt you. Look. You're a jittery little thing, aren't you? What is it? and take her back to base. Yes, sir. Now, certainly, I think it can be said that uh, what the Ewoks had been familiar with up until this point with the Empire having occupied their moon is that uh, strangers were generally going to be a danger to them. And Wicket certainly reflected that in his behavior toward Leia when he came across her. Uh, but certainly it was to Leia's benefit that her approach to Wicket was a compassionate one. And uh, she was certainly willing to kind of um, make him comfortable with her presence there. And I think that really translated into the relationship that they uh, kind of bonded really quickly. Now, on the other hand, when we look at Luke and Han and Chewbacca and the droids, when they came looking for Leia, uh, certainly they had a very different uh, ex uh, experience in regards to their first meeting with the Ewoks. And that really was precipitated by Chewbacca catching a whiff of some raw meat, uh, which led him into a trap. And that scene played out like this. What, Chewie? What, Chewie? Hey, I don't get it. Yeah, it's just a dead animal, Chewie. Chewie, wait, wait, don't! Nice work. Great, Chewie. Great. Always thinking with your stomach. You take it easy. Let's just figure out a way to get out of this thing. Han, can you reach my lightsaber? Yeah. Sure. I'm not sure that's such a good idea. It's a very long Oh, 
So uh, we have the Ewoks capturing our heroes, and Luke and Han and Chewbacca were certainly in a tough situation after that scene, but they did have one advantage, and that was that they had C-3PO along with them, and both his golden metallic droid exterior, as well as the fact that he could speak and understand the tribal dialect of the Ewoks, did give them an advantage in the sense that the Ewoks identified him as a deity. Hey, point that thing someplace else. Hey, Han, don't. It'll be all right. Chewie, give him your crossbow. Oh, my head. Oh, my goodness. Treat Dogra, the Soyoto Amuno Noka. Do you understand anything they're saying? Oh, yes, Master Luke. Remember that I am fluent in over six million forms of Kim. What are you telling them? Hello, I think. I could be mistaken. They're using a very primitive dialect, but I do believe they think I am some sort of god. Well, why don't you use your divine influence and get us out of this? I beg your pardon, General Solo, but that just wouldn't be proper. Proper? It's against my programming to impersonate a deity. So the ability of C-3PO to essentially be seen by the Ewoks as a deity uh, ends up playing into a later scene where we have Luke tell C-3PO to let the Ewoks know that if they do not release the, the captives, uh, release Luke and Han and Chewie as captives, that he will grow angry and use his magic. Uh, C-3PO certainly is confused by this, but Luke ends up using the force to elevate him and uh, that certainly makes the Ewoks scared and they end up releasing the prisoners. So at that point, we then roll into a scene where C-3PO uh, basically talks to the Ewoks and is telling them the story of all of the adventures of Han and Luke and Leia and the, the members of the Rebel Alliance. And that scene goes like this. Horaway man of Kutu, Princess Leia was a Wadma Atu. Us, Batata Rondi, Darth Vader. And Chenko Vaskimo geared from the Death Star. Us, Michi and Geda, Obi Wan Kenobi, Imanamachu Vader con Yumnum. Utabe. Yes, Artu, I was just coming to that. Toronto Gosh. Master Luke at Chimney to do. Uta Millennium Falcon at Chimney Cloud City. What's Nutch Vader? Han Solo. Tiglo Carbon. Wanda Kachna. Gubu Salak. Oh. 
Wonderful. We are now a part of the tribe. That's what I always wanted. <laughs> Short help's better than no help at all, Chief. He says the scouts are going to show us the quickest way to the shield generator. Good. How far is it? Uh, ask. Granny could... We need some fresh supplies, too. Chiyoto, but... Try and get our weapons back. Uma Frida. Hurry up, will ya? I haven't got all day. Now, in addition to being inducted into the Ewok tribe, the other benefit to the Rebel Strike team was that the Ewoks did agree to lead them to the location of the Imperial bunker that controlled the uh, shield around the Death Star 2. And as they took them to kind of uh, a lookout point above that bunker. And as they realized the amount of Imperial forces that had been put in place to protect that bunker, uh, they were trying to come up with a plan and this occurred. Oh, oh my, the Princess Leia. I'm afraid our furry companion has gone and done something rather rash. Oh no. There goes our surprise attack. So while that Ewok diversion did draw off the Imperial forces that were kind of protecting the outside of the bunker and open the door for Han and Leia and that strike force to uh, enter the bunker and take over that installation, unfortunately, it was still a trap laid by the Empire. Uh, our heroes get captured, and as they get marched out in front of the bunker, surrounded by all the Imperial forces that had amassed around that area to protect it, uh, the Ewoks finally come to the rescue and take on the Empire uh, 
basically head to head, basically sticks and spears and stones against Imperial uh, E11 blaster rifles and even an ATST uh, scout transport. So it was certainly overwhelming odds on the on the part of the Imperials, and they should have easily defeated the Ewoks. But uh, as we know from the film, that scene plays out in a way where the Ewoks, despite some heavy losses on their part, are able to assist the rebels in routing the Imperials. Uh, they're able to destroy that uh, shield generator, and that opens up the door for the rebel forces uh, fighting around the uh, Death Star 2 to enter the superstructure and destroy that. So uh, as that all plays out, we do end up back on the forest moon of Endor with the Ewoks uh, starting a celebration. And this is certainly, uh, I should point out, from the original version of Return of the Jedi. It has since been remastered, and they have an entirely different different uh, celebration scenario, but one of the uh, beloved songs kind of from the original version of Return of the Jedi was called Yub Nub, and that goes like this. So that pretty much wraps it up for the Ewoks within canon, uh, although there is a little bit of an exception to that, and we'll get into that here momentarily. But within Star Wars Legends, there were also a couple of films dedicated to the Ewoks that had come out. And, uh, you know, some people, depending on when you grew up and when you really became uh, aware of and kind of got in touch with Star Wars, these may have been some of your first experiences with Star Wars. Uh, there was certainly a large window there between 1983 when Return of the Jedi came out and 1999, I believe it was, that uh, that the Phantom Menace came out in theaters where certainly there were some re-releases of the original trilogy, but uh, that gap was kind of filled with films like this. So the first would be a movie called Caravan of Courage, an Ewok adventure. 
And that particular film uh, was put out in 1984. It was a made-for-TV movie, uh, and it was basically centered around a plot where a family of humans has been shipwrecked on the forest moon of Endor, and the parents get kidnapped by uh, being known as the Gorax. So their children team up with some Ewoks in a, in a quest to rescue them. Uh, and so this is really the first uh, Ewok-based film that came out post-Return of the Jedi. And here is the trailer for that film. sister search for their missing parents how are we gonna find them we will don't worry and fate leads them to the magical ewoks we help you now a great adventure begins Enchantment and excitement, says the Hollywood Reporter. From deadly traps to daring escapes. That was close. You guys were great. It's an action-packed motion picture featuring incredible special effects from the award-winning team of Industrial Light and Magic. That's Mommy and Daddy. Sometimes when you search for the impossible, an unbelievable adventure unfolds. I wish we had furry creatures like you where I came from. Don't miss the Ewok Adventure, now on video cassette from MGM UA Home Video. Now, this is a spot where I do need to mention that even though Caravan of Courage has since uh, been relegated to the Legends and is no longer canon, the Gorax that I mentioned, uh, which is a creature that inhabited that forest, Moon of Endor, was a huge uh, creature that was known to attack villages of Ewoks, is something that has since been brought back into canon. It was mentioned in the reference book Ultimate Star Wars, which was released back in 2015, and uh, as a as a result of that is currently back in canon. So uh, that particular aspect of that film is still considered canon. The rest of it is Legends. Now, the next film that came out related to the Ewoks was a 1985 uh made-for-TV film, and that was called Ewoks Battle for Endor. Uh, so if you grew up in kind of the mid-80s, these are the films that maybe you came across prior to actually even seeing the original trilogy. And this particular film uh, was based around a little girl known as Sindel who joins her friends Noah, Wicket, and the other Ewoks and facing off a band of marauders. And the trailer for that particular film goes like this. On a far distant world of enchanting beauty, a family of lost travelers find shelter and friendship among the Ewoks, peaceful guardians of the forest. But the peace is shattered. An evil storm sweeps the planet Endor, threatening the Ewoks' very existence. Run fast, run! And a courageous Earth child is left orphaned, hunted by the cruel armies of an insatiable warlord. It's a breathtaking adventure 
that soars to extremes of heroism and treachery. There's no escape for you, my little one. But there is hope. A shipwrecked adventurer and his speedy sidekick join forces with the Ewoks. Their mission? Penetrate a fortress of death and rescue their friend. It's a desperate scheme that unleashes the rage of a demented tyrant. From the creator of Star Wars comes a dazzling adventure, a timeless fable of courage and conflict, of bravery, innocence, and unspeakable evil, featuring Wilfred Brimley and the visual mastery of George Lucas. Take a journey to the far reaches of your imagination. Ewoks, the battle for Endor. Coming to your family from MGM UA Home Video. So as I mentioned before, you know, both of those movies were made for TV films. Uh, they're definitely from back in the mid-80s. So uh, if you're into kind of campy Star Wars material, that might be something you may want to go back and check out if you haven't yet. Uh, but other than that, that pretty much wraps it up for uh, the subject of Ewoks for this week. Uh, as far as our Holonet news, uh, there are a couple of... Uh, items of note for this past week. The first is that uh, The Mandalorian was featured in uh, this week's uh, Entertainment Weekly magazine. So if you're interested in getting some more information about The Mandalorian before that comes out on November 12th with the release of the Disney Plus streaming service, you may want to go check that out. Uh, there's certainly some great photos uh, from the set and from some of the characters that are within that Entertainment Weekly issue. Uh, so certainly some great eye candy in there. It is also of note that uh, it was announced that coming out this week is going to be a new series or is going to be starting a new series of comics based around the Jedi Fallen Order, which is the uh, kind of Star Wars video game that is coming out in November of this year as well, following the adventures of a young Padawan named Cal Kestis. And I know that uh, both Tom and I are planning on checking that out when that comes out. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. But if you're interested in kind of getting some backstory or some uh, surrounding stories from that check out that comic book series if you are so inclined and also it bears note that um there has been a new trailer that has been rated uh so we're expecting some news shortly for when that is going to be coming out and if you're looking forward to episode nine the rise of skywalker you may want to kind of keep your eye on uh, the internet and just kind of keep an eye out for when that is going to go live so that we can kind of have some additional information to talk about i'm certainly very much looking forward to that film hoping that jj does a great job of wrapping up the sequel trilogy and while i'm certainly excited to see how they wrap up the skywalker saga i'm also interested to see what new stories they've got in store for the star wars galaxy uh, because there's certainly still a lot of great new content coming out between the comics the books the movies and these live action series so uh, with that being said that is going to wrap it up for us for this week uh, if you want to reach out to us you can get a hold of us at jta podcast at gmail.com you can also get a hold of us on social media via facebook Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest at JTA Podcast. Again, we would very much appreciate it if you would give our show a rating and a review out on iTunes or wherever you happen to listen to this podcast. And if you're looking for any additional content for us, you can certainly find that at our website at jtapodcast.com. So uh, again, tell a friend and tune in for next week's episode. We're going to be focusing on the Rebel Alliance. Tom is going to be back with me, and I'm very much looking forward to kind of telling a little bit of the backstory of how the rebel alliance came together so thank you guys so much for listening have a great week and may the force be with you